It feels weird to have John Decker in church with us tonight. It's been a long time, you heathen, being on a Sunday night. And uh, God had to take your work away to get you into church on a Sunday night. I'm just giving you a hard time. It's good to see you tonight. And so, you've gotten a lot of sun. You've got, you've got quite the job out there. It probably This is the time I would want to not be out there. It's hot. It's even humid. Did you notice it's kind of humid today? And so I was telling Caroline, it's getting re- ready for Minnesota in a few weeks. It's still not quite that humid. We turn to Acts chapter number 3. And this week, of all the weeks, with Vacation Bible School and everything going on, I had the toughest time this morning and tonight coming up with an outline. I mean, I worked and I worked and I worked and I worked and I could not. I told Caroline, I think uh, Brittany and Mona were both waiting like, um, hello, are you going to get this to me? I'm like, I don't have it yet. And uh, still tonight, as I'm getting ready to preach this passage tonight, there's so much. I got you a simple outline there to follow tonight, but the outline, I'm going to give you the outline, but I might just give you a few random thoughts after the outline. Because this passage, we know the story. We're going to look more at this here in a minute. But there's also a lot to it. There's a, some thoughts that the Lord has been working on my heart that I'll, I might share tonight as we go a little deeper into it. But as I said, this was a hard week from this morning's message and tonight's message. So we got through this morning's. Now we got to see if we can get through tonight's. And we're at that time. And it's Sunday night. I am tired now. Normally by Sunday night, by the time the service is over, my brain is mush, and I'm done. You come up to me after church and be like, Pastor, add two plus two. I probably can't even do that after a Sunday night. And uh, right now, I feel like my brain is mush right now, and I still have a sermon to get through. So we're going to have fun tonight. It's going to be fun. This might be one of those that Ryan and I don't want you to record, and we just throw away and say, we'll redo that one some other time down the line. But we'll see. Acts chapter number three. We've started the book of Acts We've seen the church there in Acts take off. We've seen how the Spirit of God came upon the disciples and upon those in that upper room, and lives were changed. Peter preaches a great message, probably some of the best words to ever come. The best words that ever came out of Peter's mouth were the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, that he believed that. That's the best. But I'd say his message here in chapter 2 would be the second best thing he said in his life. He preaches the message. Many get saved. What do they do with the 3,000 that get saved and baptized? They disciple them. They teach them. They help them. They grow. And from there, we see the church take off. And I, I'll just give you the little thought here. I mentioned do a discipleship course with people if they're interested. And I've given others the opportunity to do the same thing. Had a man visit our church last Sunday. He sent me an email earlier this week. And he's like, Pastor, I really would love to do that discipleship book with you. He must have listened online that I even have one. And so I've figuring out this week a time, and we're going to meet for the next one day a week for 45 minutes to get through it in the next 14 weeks, because it's an important thing. And this guy barely got saved just a while back, and he said he's not even completely sure he's saved, which I will, will, that I will take care of that with him. We'll go through it, and the Spirit can minister to him, and we can see where he's at with those things. But he said he hated God and wanted nothing to do with God. And then, so he started studying Christianity so he could look at all the fallacies and tear it apart. And then all of that led him to think that it is real and that the Lord is real and led him to salvation. But he's like, I don't know a whole lot. And so I said, it shows you don't know a whole lot when you're asking me to help you. That shows that right there. Acts chapter number 3. And so the church is growing. Great things are happening. 
and we see that Peter and John are together. And remember, we read about Peter and John being together this morning. And remember, John is a faster runner than Peter. And John let us know that in the book of John. And I, I just think that's funny. But we look at chapter 3, verse number 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they had laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John and said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Oh, he was expecting to receive something, but he had no clue what he was about to receive right here. The Bible says, then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. And this guy's probably thinking, then what good are you going to be to me right now? I need money, and you don't have any money? You know that Peter and John were Baptists. You can just tell by this response. Silver and gold have I none. But look what it says. But such as I have give I thee, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping, stood up and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto them. What a sight to behold. As we look at our passage tonight, and as we dive in a little bit deeper here, are there any extra outlines out there? I didn't get one up here tonight. Louis, do you have one over there that I could have? Just so I kind of stay a little bit on, oh, thank you. So I can stay a little bit on track there. And I know sometimes you look, you're like, oh, pastor, it's a baby one tonight. It's going to be short. Don't let that fool you. And just because I don't have many notes, don't let that fool you. I'm getting to the point. I don't have to have a lot of notes sometimes. I can go on for a while. And uh, a few weeks ago, went on about abortion for about 40 minutes and didn't have any notes for the subject that day. And that wasn't the plan, but I think God has bigger plans than what we do. And sometimes you just go where he leads. Father, bless the next few minutes that we have. We need you tonight. I need you. I thank you for your love, and I thank you for who you are. And I thank you for your working in our lives and our hearts. And I pray tonight that as we look at this passage tonight, that you would help us, and that we would learn something from here that would be able to help us and help us minister more for you. I'm going to give this simple outline tonight, but I really believe there's something even more that we'll talk about here in a few minutes that really could be a help to your people. Guide us, help us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We see the fact that Peter and John went up to pray together. Prayer's a good thing. How many of you would agree with me that prayer is a good thing? Some of you are thinking, Pastor, you asked me this morning if uh, witnessing or if the gospel's our only hope, and I got everyone's hand raised up, and then you said, well, then why don't we do it? Well, same thing can be said about prayer. We say prayer is a good thing, but how often do we pray? I mentioned, and I mentioned it last week, and I'm working on it already, getting it in my mind. We're going we're gonna to start having a service that's just prayer every single week. 
and it's going to happen every week. If you come, you come. If you don't come, you do whatever God leads you to do. I will be here, and there's going to be a prayer service every week. There's not going to be a message in there. Say, well, are we going to stop our Wednesday night Bible study? No. Prayer will be added to it, and you say, well, that's too much for me. Then you pick with God what you should be doing, and you figure that out. It's not my job. I'm not, remember, I am not your uh, Holy Spirit. You have a Holy Spirit inside of you. He guides you. He directs you. But don't get mad at me when the Word says something and you get that pointed out and you get conviction from the Spirit about it. That's not my fault, okay? Be glad the Holy Spirit convicts you. The day He quits convicting you, then there's some problems there. But as we look, they went to pray together in the temple. And you think about the temple, you think about what's taken place up to this point. In the temple there, those are the people that hated Jesus. They're the ones who had him beaten. They had him crucified. They had him killed on the cross. And then these chief priests that are there in the temple are the ones that told the guys that were watching the tomb to lie about it and paid them money. So that, and so they knew these things. And yet they still went to pray. And as we look at this, and it's about 3 p.m. in the afternoon, you remember the day started for them 6 a.m. was about when the day started so that we're about three o'clock in the afternoon they're walking into the temple and I want to give you a simple outline of the three things to look at in this passage number one we see the man we see the man the Bible says there in verse number two and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they had laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. We see, as we look at this man tonight, we see that this man was born crippled, the Bible tells us here. Now, the Bible tells us in chapter number 4 that this man was over 40 years of age. So you think in the room tonight, those of you around 40, 42, 43, anywhere in that range, you think with me tonight, and when you do... That was not meant in any way. It's just—it's part of the message, okay? Don't, don't be giving me a look like that. But if you're around 40, that's where this man was, okay? That's all I'm saying. That's—he was around 40, chapter four. It's right there in the text. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you on that, that's not my job. There. So, he's imagine going 40 years of your life not being able to walk. Imagine being crippled as a baby. When all your little friends start walking around, start doing things, you can't walk anywhere. Your mom has to pick you up and set you in a certain spot. You start going to school, into grade school, and high school, and in high school, everyone else walks around just fine. They didn't have wheelchairs like we do today. Think about, sometimes we think it's hard to live today. Imagine what it was like to live being crippled in those days. And really, they looked at people differently in those days because of it. Like, who sinned? Whose fault is it that this man looks like this? Who did this? And they would judge people based off of those things. And so this man, you got to understand, as other kids would play in the street, he could only watch. The Bible tells us here that there was a certain man who daily they laid at the beautiful gate. An interesting place for them to put him, at the beautiful gate. And to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Being crippled, he couldn't go work. He didn't have a family. He literally had nothing. And he couldn't even walk to nothing. He was carried. Each day they brought him and laid him before this gate. 
The scripture tells us here further down in the passage that we read that when he was walking and leaping and praising God, that the people inside saw him and knew this is the guy they saw every day at the gate. This was that man. And you think about this man, and all he could do for a living is beg. He's in his 40s. Who knows if his parents are still around? There's no family in the picture. All he would do is lay by this gate every single day and ask alms. That's all he could do. His physical condition represents the spiritual condition of every person that's ever entered into this world. You see, this man was crippled from birth, a young child. We enter into this world, and we are crippled by sin. We enter into this world, we are no good from the very beginning. You don't have to teach a child how to do bad things. A child knows how to do bad things. They know how to say no. They know how to be selfish. They know how not to share. It is in our nature. The scripture tells us in Psalm 51, verse number 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. We are all born spiritually crippled. And just as this man was crippled, and he couldn't do anything on his own, and he could not fix his own problems, he waited there at the gate begging day after day, day after day. You see, this man reminds us of the fact that sin cripples all that it touches. Sin has messed up this world. We watch the news. We see what's going on around us. And sin is the problem. We talk about, oh, and you hear all over the place, we talk about guns. And I'm not here to talk about your thoughts on guns. You can, we'll talk about that some other time. But this is all I'm saying. A gun has never shot somebody. There's a person behind the trigger that pulls the trigger every single time. I lived near Chicago for four years, and Chicago still is even worse today. And they have some of the strictest gun laws around. Gun laws don't stop bad people from doing bad things. The bad people will still do those things, and sin is the problem. You see, we say, well, we take guns away, that's going to solve that. Then they're going to find us, someone got stabbed in the subway the other day, right? So what, you're going to take all the kitchen knives away then. And then you're going to take all the scissors away. And then you're going to take everything away. And people are still going to find a way to do things they shouldn't do. You say, why? Because we are bad. We are. That's the truth. You say, I don't like no. We are. We're bad. It's true. In us dwelleth no good thing. The heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? And this man could not help himself. I know on a Sunday night, most of us that are here, you're saved and you know that you're saved. But just like this man, do you realize he couldn't fix his own problems? So much of religion tries to tell us you can fix your own problems by doing better. You can fix your problems by getting baptized. You can fix your problems by going to church. This crippled man could do nothing to help his condition out. The same, the spiritual aspect of it is, we can do nothing on our own to help ourselves out. There's nothing that we can do. We see number one tonight, we see the man. Number two, we see the miracle. We see the miracle. We look here, and we look down at verse number three, and the scripture tells us 
who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked in alms, and Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John and said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength, and he leaping stood up. Could you imagine that first time he leaped up? You gotta just put that into perspective for a second. This man has never been able to walk. And all of a sudden, he literally leaps up. He's pulled up by the hand, and he leaps up. I wonder what he was thinking when he leaped up and he's about ready to land on those feet. I sure hope they hold. I sure hope they hold. He'd never been able to before. We look, and it says, And he leaping up stood, or leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And when we look at this miracle, those around letter A, this miracle couldn't be denied. They knew that this man couldn't walk. They'd seen him day after day after day after day, and, they and some of them that were in there carried him day after day after day and carried him and put him right there, right at the entrance there. Every day they passed him. I'm sure over time it became a nuisance of the guy asking for money every single day. Or the same guy being like, could you move me by the gate there? I'm sure they got tired of hearing it. But they knew this guy couldn't do it on his own. Then all of a sudden he is walking, leaping, and praising God in the temple. This miracle that took place, it could not be denied that something happened right here. Let her be as we look here. This miracle, it couldn't be explained humanly. Humanly speaking, how do you heal somebody like that? You ever have someone that's got a broken leg? You really going to grab them by the hand and throw them up in the air and say, Walk! Well, if we had the faith. I know there's a lot of faith healers that say the same thing. Give me ten bucks and you could be healed. If, if people, if faith healers really work, then why are there so many sick people? And why wouldn't you go to the hospitals? Why w if, if faith healers worked, why wouldn't you go to every children's hospital in America to begin with and heal every one of those children if you really could heal people? Just a thought there. They don't heal. God can heal, and God can work. And there's a lot that God can do, but humanly speaking here, there is no way that this could happen. You look with me, go down to verse number 11. It says, And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that's called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? And why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we made this man to walk? The God of Abraham, and of Isaac, and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his Son, Jesus, whom he delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desiring a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof ye are all witnesses. And his name... Through faith in his name, 
has made this man strong, whom ye seen and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Peter makes it pretty clear, doesn't he? Hey, Mr. Peter, he's, with, he's one of those that's with Jesus, isn't he? Oh, no, I know not the man. I don't know that guy. I, your, your, your voice, your language gives it away that you were with that man. Oh, no, not me. I was not with him. And now he's in the temple, and he could take credit. So, oh, no, no, it wasn't me. You think that the way I walk and my holiness could do this? Oh, no, no, no. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob hath glorified his son Jesus, the one you killed, the one that you could have let go, but you killed him, and this man put his faith in that name, and that name healed him. Whoo! That's boldness right there, isn't it? That's something only the Holy Spirit can produce in a life. And that's what we see take place. This miracle couldn't be denied. It couldn't be explained humanly. And the other thing is, this miracle, letter C, couldn't be dismissed. It happened. There's nothing else you can say about it. This miracle couldn't be denied. They saw how this man was. You know, sometimes, and uh, funny thing I saw on YouTube a while back was uh, someone took a Benny Hinn special and they took a, uh, a lightsaber, you know, and put a lightsaber in his hand and People are falling over and all these things are happening. It's pretty funny to me to watch that with the lightsaber and things. But when the people get knocked over, are they truly healed? Are they actors? I've heard his son say a lot of things about his dad's ministry. And I'll just leave that there. This man wasn't faking anything. This man couldn't walk. You could not deny what God did that day through Peter and John. We see the man, we see the miracle, and we see thirdly the message. In verse number six, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter says, hey, I don't have any money. I don't have any silver. I have no gold. But I've got something that's more valuable than any silver or any gold you could ever have. I've got Jesus. And I'm going to give you Jesus. The message, the gospel. What we see in the early church that we are missing today is the fact that God's people were gospel-centered. We see a homeless person on the side of the road. When's the last time you witnessed to them? When's the last time you're just talking to someone and you just started sharing the gospel when you talk? The Bible tells us in the end of chapter number 2, and we see it continuing on here, that the early church, they were active house to house, actively sharing the gospel. 
How many people walked by that man and never did anything to help that man? I wonder today how many Christians from Victory Baptist Church have walked by people around us each and every day that the Lord wants us to talk to that we won't take the time to talk to. That man was sure glad that John talked to him that day and Peter. They told him about Jesus. You know, church, as we close here tonight and finish up the message here in just the next couple minutes, Surrey can't close the message for me. So I guess I'm stuck closing the message myself tonight. Technology. You either love it or you hate it. One minute is a good thing, and then one minute, I don't even know what happened there. But Surrey started talking back to me. I'm glad Surrey can't finish my message, because I don't want an Apple product finishing my Bible message for me. I'll be fine completing my message without Surrey's help. Now, if she said something else to me right now, I'd be like, okay. We're going to go put the watch in the room and close the door. Put little, put something over it so it can't hear what I'm saying. The, isn't it amazing how all this technology stuff works, too? Where you can be talking about maybe getting something, and then on Facebook there's an ad for the same thing you were just talking about or that you're looking for. It's amazing how all that works. And I'm not saying I'm into conspiracy or all those. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit just showing you saying, no, I'm kidding. As we close tonight, I want to give you just a couple of thoughts as it comes to those around us. The first thing is this. Maybe, and I pray this more now than what I ever have, but I pray that God will help me see those that others don't see. How many people pass by that man? Every every day. And you say, well, they didn't have the right message for him. No, they didn't. I get that. I know that Peter and John had the right message. The last time I checked in this room, I think we all got the right message in this room. The answer we talked about this morning is Jesus Christ, right? He is our only hope. Ask the Lord to help you see those who others don't see. And maybe you say, well, pastor, I'm just not sure how to do that. Let me give you some other thoughts real quick. Find someone and help them. Minister to people. And um, in our youth group today, in our youth study, we're in the book of James, and we're looking at the difference between earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. The Bible talks about if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, lie not against the truth, that this wisdom, it's not from above. It's earthly, sensual, it's devilish. But the wisdom that's from above is first um, pure, peaceable, easy to be entreated, full of mercy. And you get what I'm trying to say there. The big difference between worldly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. Are you ready? Heavenly wisdom says... I'm going to put God first and others first, then myself. Earthly wisdom says, it's all me. That's the difference. That's the big difference. 
In Christianity today, we have a lot of Christians that's all about me. That is earthly, sensual, and devilish. That's the same thing Satan did. That's what got him kicked out of heaven. It was all about him. The wisdom that's from above is completely different. It's about putting the Lord first. It's being peaceable, easy to be entreated. Yeah. Not picking fights with people, getting along with people, not being partial to anyone, getting along with everybody, not just the people you like, but getting along with everybody. Yeah. There's a big difference. When's the last time you reached out and helped somebody? I looked at my schedule this week. I thought last week was busy. This next week's going to be a busy one. Tomorrow, I'm going to take my wife and do some things for her birthday. On Tuesday, there's a person that needs some encouragement that I'm going to go minister to. Wednesday, I got someone in the morning I'm going to go minister to. Then I got to help my mom with a doctor's appointment Wednesday afternoon. Thursday, I get to help Andrew and Isaiah get a few things done for college. Friday, I get to go minister to someone else that's having a tough time. Saturday, I'll watch my boys play and Alyssa play sports in the early in the morning. And there's a pastor that's been trying to get with me that's struggling over in Colton. And I'm going to go see him. And I'm going to find time to get some messages done in between and find time to spend time with my wife and to spend time with my kids and do everything else that needs to get done. People need help. People need people to reach out and be there. If life is all about you and me, you're missing out on what life's truly about. Peter and John could have been concerned about the fact they could be persecuted. They could, they could have been taken to jail going into the temple. They weren't concerned about that. Now they saw this man, they were willing to stop. And Peter didn't have any money, and he told him, I got no money, but I'm going to give you something much better than money. And that day, something great happened. God was glorified in the temple. How long had it been since God had been glorified in the temple? Think about, think on that one. It had been a long time. But that day, God was glorified, because this man was walking and leaping and praising God, and all the people saw it. Because two men gave him the message of Jesus Christ. That's what the world needs today. We have a man that was crippled from birth, symbolizes all of us, how we enter into this world. We see the miracle that takes place, and it cannot be denied. It cannot be humanly explained. And when it comes to salvation, it cannot be humanly explained. I had someone the other day wanting to talk about salvation and some thoughts on Calvinism thoughts on other things and as we were talking about those things at the end of the day you're never going to have a full explanation for everything that God did you're not you will not it's amazing what God's done in salvation for us and the fact that he who knew no sin became sin for us and all that he's done it's a miracle and it cannot be denied it is proven by all of us that are saved right and it cannot be humanly explained and it's a miracle that's taken place in our lives and the message that was given is the same message that led you to Jesus is what Peter and John gave to that man that day. The greatest message in all the world, the gospel. Let's open up our eyes. Let's look for those around us who need to hear the gospel. Let's be more gospel-focused. 
Some people use that phrase, and I don't like when they use that phrase. But just because they use it in the wrong light doesn't mean it's not a good focus. Gospel-focused is a good focus. The early church, they ate, slept, and breathed the gospel to give it out. We as a church, and our churches today would do much better if we get back to eating, sleeping, and breathing the gospel. Because people need it. And it is the only message that can save this world. Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for your word, and I thank you for the